0: From Grangeville to Lapway, we've got your District 2 Breakdown right here on the Palouse PrepCast with Garrison Hardy. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Palouse PrepCast here on IdahoSports.com, your weekly breakdown of all things District 2 in the state of Idaho. I'm Brandon Bainey, and now I'm joined by the man who uh, spent money on the Ryan Leaf autobiography, willing to <laughs> spend money on the Ryan Leaf autobiography, Garrison Hardy. Garrison, what's going on?
1: Brandon, it's great to be back. And as far as that book is concerned, for better or for worse, uh, I got it. And uh, it, by the way, has a lot of great stories out there. If you guys want some good reading on some pack or uh, on some WSU football history, uh, 596 switch, pick it up.
0: Right. And of course, uh, Wazoo right in the heart of what we call the Palouse that that area of uh, Washington and Idaho. So district two in terms of uh, football, you know, we always start the conversation and we're going to start today's episode by looking at some of the football teams that we're going to keep an eye on in district two this year. The conversation always starts with Lewiston because they're the biggest, the five, a school, but where do you see them fitting in, in, in the inland empire league this year?
1: You know, uh, other uh, Coeur d'Alene obviously is always. Uh, I'll as I'll kind of lead off with them a little bit. Lane is always a, a power in the Inland Five A or in the Five A Inland Empire Conference. Uh, and then we start, you know, looking at Lewiston. We look at uh, Lake City. We look at Post Falls and Lewiston. Uh, they're always an interesting team. In you know, you know, last year we covered a lot of Lewiston football, and uh, starting out of the gate, they, they literally exploded out of the gate, averaging close to 50 points a game, and the, those were some shootout games, and uh, I think they really caught a lot of people off guard with regards to their new, unique offense. Uh, it was literally called the go offense, and boy, did they go. Uh, there was a lot of motion involved. Uh, There's a lot of sweep plays involved, a lot of counter uh plays involved, and then they'll mix in some pass plays throughout. So as far as this year's concerned, if they can stay healthy – which is what they ran into last year was injury problems. Uh, they lost Cruz Hepburn, who, by the way, is a uh, recruit, a baseball recruit to the University of Washington, which gives you an idea of how athletic he is. Uh, they lost him early on in the season. Tyson Wallace, uh, their quarterback who graduated, who's moved on, uh, he struggled with injuries last year. They had to move up to Jace McCarter who uh, is actually playing quarterback this year. He has a lot of athleticism. And it's going to be interesting to see how he takes over the keys to this offense. But Lewiston always has a lot of, uh, I would say, feisty and speedy players. What they may lack in size, they make up with, with quickness, uh, trickery, I would say. And they use the talent that they have very well. And Coach Carey, he always does a great job of trying to utilize – uh, his players, the best of his ability.
0: Yeah, I think the consensus is, of course, Coeur d'Alene, the top spot. And until somebody knocks them off, they'll continue to be the favorite. But really beyond that, I think it's a toss up, you know, between Lake City, Post Falls and Lewiston as to who could finish second. And, and you know, I'm not saying Coeur going to win the league, but but I think it's a toss up to, to which one of those teams could also challenge Coeur d'Alene.
1: Absolutely. You just mentioned Post Falls. Post Falls lost two of their games by a combined of five points last season. So they, it was heartbreaking stuff for them some of the time. And then uh, they lost a lot of talent on the offensive side of things. But uh, on the defensive side of things, they have one of the best cornerbacks in the state of Idaho coming back, who, by the way, led the state of Idaho in interceptions last season. And that was Zachary Clark. Uh, On top of that, they also have a safety Chase Berg back uh, there as well. So uh, their defensive side of things, they're going to have their quarterbacks, so to speak, back on defense. So they should still be stout as well. And then offense, it's going to be interesting to see how they replace some of the lost pieces uh, that moved on. Lake City, they're going to be an interesting team in that uh, I covered the Lewiston versus Lake City game, the last game of the year for both of those programs. Both of them were... Three and five at the time didn't really have too much to play for, other than bragging rights and moving into the next year with some momentum. Lake City played a fantastic game, and they had a lot of impressive size on that team, uh, especially at the wide receiver spot. They they were towering over some of the Lewiston cornerbacks, and they had they played some smart and hard smash mouth football. That was an impressive game, and maybe that could they could use that momentum going into next season. So uh, to suffice to say, the uh, three teams, like you mentioned, uh, it could be a very interesting race for who gets that number two spot.
0: Yeah, Lake City's got a dude at wide receiver, Zach Johnson, who's six five and right. just a stud basketball player as well. And yeah, he'll be a name that I think will really blow up this year at, at Lake City. So, what, what is it that makes Coeur d'Alene so good? You would you would think that Lewiston, as the only high school in a in a fairly large city, would have an advantage over Coeur d'Alene, which has to split its athletes between two high schools. But but what is it that makes Coeur d'Alene so so tough year in year out?
1: Well, uh, even though they may have to split their athletes between two schools, they still have a larger pool of talent to pull from. Uh, with being so close to the Spokane area. And uh, on top of that, people are just moving to the Coeur d'Alene area. I'm sure we've all seen how people are moving to Idaho in droves. Well, Coeur d'Alene is one of those destination spots. So uh, I'm sure enrollment's doing just fine for the Vikings. And as a result, uh, Coach Amos has plenty of talent to pick from. But not only that, they have some of the best talent to pick from. They consistently send guys to the collegiate level. Uh, for football, as far as football, basketball, you name it, is concerned. So this is a school that is consistently uh, churning out talent. And then it's up to Amos and his coaching staff to put them in the right spots. And to their credit, they consistently do that. And, you know, they lost a lot of talent this year, but that always seems to be the case. They always seem to be losing talent year in and year out. And then they just reload. And next thing you know, they're eight and one towards the end of the season, uh, just like they were last year. And they lost in the semifinal game last year, 36-21, to to the eventual state champion. So uh, Coeur d'Alene will be just fine. It's, uh, you know, but then again, games aren't played on paper. So uh, we're just going to have to see how this conference shakes out.
0: That's right. You talked about the population influx that's really flooding Courtilain. Are are you seeing that in the Palouse? I know you're in Moscow and in in Lewis. Is that happening where you're at?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the in fact, the mayor here in Moscow it says that he foresees Moscow becoming a mini Silicon Valley. And you know we have a lot of big businesses coming into the area, both in Pol- by way of Pullman which is just eight miles over the border in Washington. And then here in Moscow, we have new businesses sprouting up left and right. And one of the bigger ones is Emsi here in town. It's a, in Moscow terms, it's a skyscraper, being that it's four stories and it's a pretty impressive looking building. And then over in Pullman, we've got Schweitzer that built a big complex just outside of Moscow. Schweitzer's building a complex here. So there are a lot of new jobs, new opportunities coming to this area. Uh, and it just seems to be the case all over Idaho.
0: Yeah. I think during the pandemic, we all learned how to work from home. And I think a lot of businesses saw that, Hey, this model can actually work. And if you work from home, then of course, why wouldn't you want to live in Idaho? Right. It's a beautiful Absolutely,
1: state. <laughs> We've got the scenery. We <laughs> talked about that last week in week one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's let's talk about Lewiston. You, you mentioned out of the gate last year, they they got into some shootouts. That that first game of the year with Cuna was really an eye opener because Cuna, right. you know, had had a lot of success, uh, the defending 4A state champs. That was their first game back up at 5A, but it was a back and forth wild game. And then yeah, like you said, injuries kind of caught up with the team. We think the offense is going to be pretty awesome again with McCarther and and Cruz Hepper back, but but defensively, how does Lewiston stop the opposition from putting up the points?
1: The way I look at it is Lewiston really tries to confuse the offensive side of the ball. So I'm going to bring up Washington State again. I always do. I always find a reason to. But WSU, uh, when Alex Grinch was the defensive coordinator here, they had a thing called Speed D. And WSU definitely did not have the size to compete with a lot of other Pac-12 schools. So what they did is they shifted the defensive line in numerous different directions. They rotated the linebackers in and showed pressure from numerous sides of the ball. And it kind of became a game of cat and mouse who's going to blitz from where what all should we be shifting our protection to that's kind of what Lewiston does Uh, as far as last year's concerned they they would uh, shift the defensive line uh, uh, one way or the other and then the linebackers and even the safeties would come up and show as though they were going to blitz sometimes they would blitz sometimes they would drop back into coverage so yeah from our Jason and I spot in the booth you know we we never knew where the pressure was going to come from. And uh, Coach Pancare did an excellent job of, you know, like I said, they may not have had the size of a quarter lane or even Lake City, but they made up for it with the different blitz packages, the confusion that they tried to create. Uh, they did an excellent job of that. So defensively, if they can stay healthy, that's that's always the caveat with Lewiston because they may not have the numbers of the, some of the other schools in their conference, uh, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And even when, towards the end of the season, when they were lower on numbers, they played stout, tough football. And that's what you can always expect out of Lewiston, just blue collared, hardworking players.
0: Yeah, the schedule last year was a little wonky because of COVID 19. So basically, Lewiston played everybody in the league twice. The first time it was a, a non-conference game. and Then the second time was really the game that counted. H- how hard was that for Lewiston having to, you obviously want to have a good showing. And in terms of the playoff picture in an at-large berth, you need as many wins as possible, even if it's non-conference. But at the same time, you don't want to show all your cards in the first matchup and then lose the game that really counts in the conference. Late. I mean, how, how much of a headache was that last year for, for coach Pancarry and the staff?
1: Oh, it was a big headache. You look at the first couple of games where they're averaging pretty much 50 points per game. Uh, the the other teams had never seen an offense like this, and it is incredibly rare. Uh, but there's this thing called game tape. And once the first couple of games happened, other teams took notice of those crazy numbers that Lewiston was putting up, and they were able to kind of start identifying maybe some tells in Lewiston's offense. And as a result, you know, we saw a lot of packed lines of scrimmages the rest of the season for Lewiston. So, you know, Lewiston would certainly get them on a couple of occasions where they can maybe get to the outside on their sweep actions. But eventually the teams just started crowding both sides, uh, both defensive ends, and made Lewiston kind of have to pick one or the other. Are they going to go up the middle or? And try to force their way through, or are are they going to have to try to force their way onto the outside? So a lot of eight-man boxes became an issue for Lewiston, and uh, even if they did a pass play to try to counteract that, they were still getting pressured like crazy, and uh, the quarterbacks were, you know, having a hard time dealing with that pressure sometimes. But uh, Pan Carey and his staff have had a you know, an off season to uh, work through these problems. So it's going to be interesting to see some of the counters that they come up with. That's one thing I've always admired about Pancare and his staff is they are always coming up with new ways to counteract some of these defensive schemes that they've been seeing. And now he's got a whole off season worth of it.
0: Yeah. The coaching is uh, first rate in the uh, inland empire league across the board. All four coaches are obviously very tr- talented at what they do so yeah it's it's more of a traditional schedule this year only one time through the conference slate Uh, when you look at Lewiston's schedule they open with cuna that's going to be a game in lewiston that that's going to be a fun game i think right out of the gates and then they also host madison that's coming all the way from rexburg two games at home off the bat how much of an advantage will that be
1: oh i think it's a big one you know especially when you think of travel uh that's that I don't care what people say, that takes a toll on an athlete's body, especially, you know, with the game as violent as football, Uh, the idea of getting on a bus for a long ride either to a hotel or all the way back home, not exactly something I was looking forward to in my days of playing. So uh, for Lewiston to get the chance to not only get to practice at home, as well as just you know, show up to the game and go through their normal routines in the comfort of their own stadium in front of their home fans. Uh, I think that's a great way to kick off the season. And, You know, over time, obviously travel is going to come into play, but to get those first two games at home, especially if they're able to get off to a good start, pick up a couple of wins, maybe get some momentum rolling for this, you know, later on in the season and then the second half of the season where the playoffs really start to loom and the conference games come into play, uh, I think that could be big uh, for the Bengals.
0: Another factor that will work in their favor, I think, is the reintroduction of some opponents from Washington. Lewiston is going to play Clarkston and Eisenhower high from Yakima in back-to-back weeks. And because the playoff seeding is based on this max preps rating, if those teams in Washington do well, that's only going to boost up Lewiston's stock, right?
1: Absolutely. And uh, you bring up Clarkston at the Battle of the Bridges, as they call it down in the in the L.C. Valley. That is always a fun game to go to. And, you know, even though it's a it's a heated rivalry, but there's always a lot of respect between those two schools. Um, You know, I've been to numerous Golden Throne games for the basketball side of things. and uh, But then on the football side of things, Lewiston has had the upper hand recently. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see how this one shakes out when they uh, finally are able to reconnect. And last year, you know, COVID uh, had reared its ugly head and uh, the Washington side of schools had to wait till the spring. So that's going to be refreshing to see that game back in its rightful place. And I'm sure the Lewiston fans will agree.
0: Yeah, I think everybody's excited to see those cross-state rivalries uh, renew uh, throughout North and and West Idaho. Let's talk about, so we've kind of covered Lewiston at the 5A level. Let's swing all the way down to the 1A ranks and the eight-man football circuit. The White Pine League, year in, year out, is so fun and entertaining And for the most part, we think of it as a pretty competitive wide open league, but really Prairie has kind of had a stranglehold on that uh, conference for the past several years.
1: Oh, absolutely. Coach Hasselstrom has got quite the program going out there Uh, year in and year out. You can expect uh, pretty much the same from Prairie. You're going to get high powered offense and then the defense is no nonsense, smash mouth. Very good at containing the edges, which is incredibly important in eight-man football. And by the way, I'm going to read off some numbers here, and uh, you know we'll see we'll see if the fans can catch on here. But here we go: 60, 54, 56, 72, 78, 66, 72, and finally 40. Those were the points that Prairie scored in each of those successive games. So offense wasn't a problem for them, and I don't anticipate it to be a problem for them this year, especially when you look at the returning players with Shoemaker, Hasselstrom, Hibbard, Ross. Those four names are guys that I call frequently. Uh, obviously, their season last year ended in heartbreaking fashion against Oakley in the Kibbe Dome, 42-40. to 40. By the way, Jason and I were there for that game. Easily one of the most exciting games I've covered in my time with IdahoSports.com. It ended in heartbreaking fashion, too, with the Prairie, unfortunately, fumbling the ball right at the goal line. And Oakley was able to come up with it. Classic game. And they'll definitely be, I think, putting that as a chip on their shoulder as they come into this season.
0: Yeah, that game was a classic, and I, I feel like it kind of got lost in the, that semifinal weekend across the state was just bonanzas. And a lot of the games were outside and in these like really epic like blizzards and snowstorms, and you had all these crazy like, – like in East Idaho, it was just a, a blanket of snow. Um, but you were inside the Kibby Dome, and because of the, the weather and being inside, I feel like that game kind of slipped under the radar a little bit, but you're right. That was one of the best games of the year last year in the entire state of Idaho.
1: Absolutely. In fact, I'm putting in a petition with uh, Paul uh, Kingsbury to have all of our games in the dome this year. It's <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's it was fantastic. Uh, the the staff there with the Kibby Dome is always very accommodating and make sure we get to where we need to go. the The booth that we're in is just perfect. Uh, so on top of the game being one of the best games we've ever covered. Uh, that was per that was a perfect setting, and uh, you know, like you said, District Two kind of may get lost in the shuffle there, especially with uh, the playoffs. When the playoffs are concerned, you've got all the big five A and four A schools down in the Boise area that tend to gobble up a lot of that media attention. But up here in District Two, man, we've got some excellent football, excellent players, excellent programs, a lot of tradition up here. And if uh, I, I I encourage our fans to go back and watch that Oakley and prairie game it's on idahosports.com it's saved in the archives you get to listen to uh jason and i you don't have to see my face either because it's just audio only version (laughs) and uh it was it was a fantastic game so i encourage everybody to go back and listen to that uh, as well as some of the other district two games that we've been fortunate enough to cover
0: yeah absolutely so yeah we we're talking about the white pine league and uh Mm -hmm. we, we like prairie who who else do we like this year
1: I got to throw out Genesee. Uh, they made a bit of a bounce back last year. And Genesee is actually unique in that they have a a, a working agreement with nearby Colton. Uh, Colton was a, is, of course, a Washington program that, because of COVID-19, uh, wasn't able to do their season nor- like they normally would. So they got to come over and join the Genesee side of things. And Colton's got some great athletes they have some great athletic tradition as well, so Genesee was bolstered by that, and, and we saw we saw their record shoot up to four and two. Unfortunately, speaking of the aforementioned COVID, they weren't really able to finish the season like they would would have. They were the community up there was potentially thinking playoffs, but unfortunately, a couple of the players got COVID. And due to rules and guidelines, they had to shut things down. So incredibly unfortunate way for that season to end. Your heart goes out to the seniors as well, who, you know, could have potentially gone to the playoff side of things. Uh, But Genesee, keep an eye out for them this year. Another team I would maybe throw into that mix is Clearwater Valley. Uh, Paul and I were actually able to cover Clearwater Valley's game last year against Prairie, and while it didn't go Clearwater Valley's way, they have a lot of talent and toughness on that team. By the way, that game was in the middle of a wildfire. Talk about talk about uh, cool surroundings to it. But uh, on the way there, you saw the firefighters, you know, doing uh, battling those fires in the brush. So and I got to see a Chinook helicopter come down and grab some water from the nearby river. So it was an entertaining trip up there. But uh, the the players battled through the gnarly conditions and they've got some great returning players. And on top of that, they've been to the playoffs three of the last each of the last three years. So uh, I keep an eye on Clearwater Valley as well.
0: Yes. I mean, you talked about Genesee. They've got a new head coach this year in uh, Justin Mm -hmm. Podrabsky. And uh, whenever you have a new coach take over, it's always going to be interesting to see how the players react to that. Whereas Clearwater Valley's got an established coach. Alan Hutchins has been there for a couple of seasons now. And just real quick on Clearwater Valley, they've got an absolute at linebacker uh, Dylan Pickering, who is, you know, his size doesn't indicate his talent level. He is one of the best linebackers in the state.
1: Well, just the fact that you brought his name up, that rings bells because I called his name a lot during that game. He was making tackles left and right. But you bring up Genesee's uh, new coach, uh, Pedrabski. He's uh, actually been a a coach for the basketball side of things with Genesee on the boys' side. So even though he may not have been with the football program, uh, he was – part of the program for Genesee. So he knows he, there is some familiarity there before that he was down with Lewiston with uh, coach Pan carry on the sidelines. So, and on top of that uh, you can tell he's played some, he played college football for the U of I had a decent, decent stint at tight end. And let me tell you, he's built for it. So, <laughs> so uh, the players uh, are definitely going to have you know, a player's eye view being that, you know, he, he walked the walk, so to speak. So uh, I'm curious to see how Podrabski handles uh, this, the the reins of this program and what direction he can take them.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how these programs slot themselves in two through, I mean, really like seven or eight. I mean, it, it really is a toss up. One wild card that is new is the addition of Logos playing varsity football for the first time this year. We don't know much about the program, obviously, because they've only been JB for the last two years or so, but uh, their coach, Nick Holloway, is pretty excited. And, hey, just another tough opponent. You've got to go play, right?
1: That's right. That's right. And let me tell you, they're in the middle of two days right now just because I know uh, one of the players, River Sumter, he actually works here in our office. But he, uh, it, yeah, they're, they're in the middle of 6 a.m. practices and then 6 p.m. practices. Uh fond memories, I should say, but <laughs> you got to feel for those guys. But, you know, the hard work will pay off. Uh, Logos has a gorgeous, like I've said, a gorgeous facility just outside of Moscow here that hopefully we'll get to see some of. But uh, in any case, yeah, new program, new excitement there. The, I know the the fans around the school are excited to get to see some of these white pine these other white pine programs come in um, and they're, I've talked to river, you know, they're excited and ready to go. So uh, yeah, a lot of excitement here with the Logos Knights and uh, the Moscow area for them.
0: Yeah. It's going to be exciting to see for sure. So of the teams that are in the white pine league, how many do you think are going to make, make the playoffs, make a deep run into the playoffs? We think Prairie, do, do you think anybody else has the potential to go on a run?
1: I go back to maybe Genesee or Clearwater Valley and those two jump out to me in that, you know, Genesee is obviously getting a little bolstering from the Colton side of things. But those guys are talented and I've gotten gotten to see the basketball side of things, those two way athletes. They have a lot of potential to really make some noise. They did lose some players here and there, especially Dawson Durham. um, uh, They lose his athleticism. But Genesee could still make some noise, and they showed out last year that they could definitely do that. Uh, Obviously, COVID decided to kind of mess up their aspirations. But uh, this year, keep an eye on the Bulldogs. Uh, On the other side of things, Clearwater Valley, as you said, uh, uh, Hutchinson, established coach there. Pickering on the defensive side of things. Their offense uh, also has um, a lot of speed on that side of the ball. Again, what they may lack in size, they make up for in speed. Uh, and an eight-man, you never know. It's uh, Each game it can go wildly one way or the other, depending on the plays that are made. The field is wide open. All it takes is one missed tackle, one uh, one wide open play, and a game can shift from one end of momentum to the other. So this could be, you never know with eight man. Uh, You know, we uh, we talked a little bit last week about 11 man versus eight man. Uh, These are the things to look out for with eight man football, wide open play. You saw, you heard some of those Prairie scores. Well, the other teams were able to put up a decent amount of points too. So uh, a lot of shootouts and uh, that's why the white pine league is so much fun to cover. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it it is the most entertaining league, no doubt, in the state of Idaho. Uh real quick on Genesee. Uh they did win the baseball state championship this past spring as well. Mm. And I know I know a lot of those guys uh play football as well. So they're they're used to winning already. And yeah, I'm excited to see how it all shakes out. Uh we are Next week, Garrison, we're going to start talking about like actual matchups and things like that, because we, we are there. We are at the, like you said, two a days. And then next week, you know, soccer gets started. Volleyball right. begins a, a smattering of football. We're here. It's It's the most exciting time of the year.
1: Absolutely. Just the, the preparation, all the hard work that these players and coaches are putting into the lead up of this to kick off. Literally, uh, it's it, like you said, great time of year. Uh, high school football, college football, the NFL Football's coming back. And uh, we're obviously going to have a big portion of that here on IdahoSports.com and uh, District 2. People. I'm telling you, we've got great football up here. And uh, over the course of this, uh, this prep cast that uh, we're doing here, uh, we hope to bring in some of the personalities uh, from across district too. So stay tuned. And uh, uh, like you've said, I'm, I'm just incredibly excited. It's this time of year.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun for sure. That'll do it for this edition of the Palouse PrepCast on idahosports.com. Friendly reminder, you can uh, get the PrepCast a couple of different ways. You can download the uh, podcast wherever you download your podcasts. You can get the audio at idahosports.com. You can also watch the video on our Facebook page and the idahosports.com youtube channel we are uh, continuing to upload schedules by the batches we've got uh pretty much the soccer and football ones done we're putting in the volleyball schedules now and of course our statewide football previews uh still taking place at idahosports.com as well we've got about uh probably like 65 to 70 percent of the teams up on the site so if you're looking and you don't see your favorite team yet keep checking back every day as we get uh forms back from coaches we keep uploading them so uh yeah we're, we're busy at idaho on plenty of content for you there on the site
1: yeah, by the way, shout out to, to you, Brandon. I mean, with all the work you're putting in, I'll, I'll I'll consistently read some articles here and there from IdahoSports.com, and I'll always see your name somewhere in there. So, uh, b- ladies and gentlemen, Brandon's hard at work bringing a lot of good content to IdahoSports.com. If you want your preseason preview across the entire state from every division, every conference, you name it, uh, we have it here on IdahoSports.com. And then, of course, we're going to bring it to you live uh when these games start kicking off.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be fun, that's for sure. So that'll do it for the police prep cast. Thanks for tuning in for Garrison Hardy. I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you back here next week on Idahosports.com.